This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 9th, 2019. Taglines, some things money can't buy. Well, good morning, Connection Church. So Alan's at home. He's watching. Hi, Alan. Everybody say hi to Alan. And um, he had a knee replacement on Tuesday, so he's propped up and watching, but we hope he'll be here next week. Thank you for your cards, your prayers, your texts, the meals. I really appreciate that, and I know he does, too. Um, If this is your first time today, our preaching style is we have this tag team thing going on. So I'm here and Alan's here and we go back and forth, but I can't be him today. So I'm just going to do the whole thing. (laughs) I'm a sinner and I've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made a day where we get to be about your business and we, need, we can be here together and worship and praise your holy name. Settle us in. This is a challenging scripture. Use it to teach us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. MasterCard. Well, between MasterCard and Visa, probably most of, those, most of us have one of those cards or two or so in our pocketbook, in our wallet. And if you believe their advertising, MasterCard is priceless. That's what they say, as there are some things that money just can't buy, but for everything else, there's MasterCard. Absolutely. Today, I would like to talk about another card. Not MasterCard, but it is something, it's a card that money can't by, instead of MasterCard, we're calling it the Master's Card. Oh, come on. Oh, isn't that cool? The Master's Card. Scripture talks a lot about this. I could spend a lot of time pulling out a lot of different scriptures that talk about our relationship with God and things that money can't buy, things that are priceless. But I've selected the scripture today found in Mark chapter 8. It's always been a tough scripture for me. It's one that I've known for a, forever, that I've even preached on. But, but today and in preparation for this, it really kind of messed me up. Sometimes God does that through his word. Because we just enter into that relationship and we read these words that come alive. And this particular scripture messed with me because for me this time around it, it was really challenging. The scripture sounded to me convoluted, paradoxical, and it even violates some common sense. So I am reading Mark chapter 8 verses 34 through 38. Then he that's Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Sound familiar? Okay, this is tough stuff. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world 
yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Yikes. Yeah, this is really tough stuff. So today as we talk about some things that money can't buy, let's look at this particular scripture. Again, there's lots of them, but this is what I've been led to share what Jesus is saying to us. Now, this is the end of chapter 8. I'd like to just kind of share with you, I always look at what comes before and what comes after scripture when I study it. At the beginning of chapter 8, we see that Jesus feeds 4,000 with a little bit of bread and some fish and that there are leftovers. And then we see where the Pharisees, those are the religious leaders, the Jewish sect that are very legalistic, you know, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. They're the ones that got so ticked off at Jesus. You know, they began to question him and demand these things from Jesus. And Jesus talks to his disciples about that and warns against wrong teaching. And then he settles an argument uh, among his disciples. Then in verse 22, he restores sight to a blind man. Right after that, Peter makes the declaration, you are the Messiah. And then Jesus follows up by letting him know that he's going to die, that he's on his way to the cross. And with that, Peter says, oh no, don't say that. And Jesus says, well, get behind me, Satan. That, like, this is, ugh. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So a whole lot happens right before we land on this scripture, beginning in verse 34. Jesus is a pretty busy guy in this scripture. So we're picking it up, verse 34. Then he called the crowd, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. When I study the Bible, I read several different translations. It helps reveal some things that I might miss. So one of the translations that helped me was the NLT, the New Living Translation. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. That was kind of an interesting little spin on that. Take up your cross and follow me. A couple things I noticed when I started with this verse 34. First of all, he's no, no longer just talking to the disciples. Come on, everybody. He wants to talk to the crowd because this is something really important. So this scripture was not just for his inner sanctum, but for everyone. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, but he talks about the cross. The Jews, the people around him were very familiar because Roman execution through crucifixion was the way that they handled criminals. And so they all knew it was a really brutal form of execution. And Jesus spells out the qualifications to be one of his followers, one of his disciples, right here. He says two things. Deny yourself and take up the cross. 
Wow. Deny yourself and take up the cross. Now, remember, in just a few verses before, Jesus has announced that he's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to pick up his own cross and carry his own cross and die. And now he says to his followers, you got to do it too. Can you imagine what that sounded like to them? I know how it sounds to me as a follower of Christ. Pick up my cross. Deny. Deny. You know, he certainly was not worried about a popularity contest at this point, was he? Not at all. Here's the thing that I got out of this. Jesus was more concerned about the quality of his followers than the quantity. He was more concerned about matters of the heart than just sheer numbers. You see, Jesus really does care about, his, about our hearts and our devotion to him. Jesus wants those who follow him, and that's you and me, to be absolutely sold out with everything that we've got, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. That's what he wants from us. He is not interested in this half-hearted devotion. He's not interested in lukewarm attitude. In fact, in the Bible, it says they would spit us out. They would he would vomit us out. That, that's pretty strong with lukewarm attitude. Jesus, he gave his all on the cross, and he wants us to be living sacrifices for him in return. So what does it mean? What does it mean to deny self, to give up our own way? One parallel that I was thinking about is the example of marriage. Now, Alan consistently gives up his own way so that I can be who God intended for me to be. I try, I would hope that he would say the same thing for me, that I give up my own way. So when he gives up his own way for me and I give up my own way for him, that is just a beautiful mutual submission that happens. And so denying self, that, that's one example that, that I thought of. And we have had our share of cold, of lukewarm, of warm in our 40-some years together. Jesus asks us for our full devotion to him. Full devotion. You know, it's draining to be half-hearted. It's draining to be kind of spiteful and all that kind of stuff in our relationships. I mean, it just wears us down. Or when we're on the other end of it, it really is so much easier to give all of ourselves. And somehow in our sinfulness, we just balk at that at times. This morning, here's the first question. How would you rate your devotion to Christ? Cold? Lukewarm? Warm? Hot? I've experienced all four of those temperatures myself. And sometimes there's been some very long periods that are really cloudy and 
you know, when, when you have a taste of the Lord, you just want, you want to be at the water fountain and just take it all in. But sometimes for me in my life, it's not been like that. And so what do I do? Well, I just keep, keep doing what I'm doing. I keep reading the scripture. I keep praying. I keep hanging out with, with people who can hold me accountable. And eventually, the gray clears, the sun comes out, and the sun, S-O-N, just shows me things and teaches me things through all that. And that's how it might work for you as well. When I get in those times when it's cold or lukewarm or just warm, Jesus is not the one that changed. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's the same. So he's asking us to be all in, sold out, giving up our own way to follow his way. So that is kind of an uncomfortable very first verse that we're looking at, but it doesn't get any better. The second verse that I'm going to look at, verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Wow. So he just lays it all out for us. The NLT, when I took a look at that, verse 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Have you ever tried to hang on to your life? Like, ooh, just hang on, let me hang on. But outside of God, (laughs) yeah, that's what they're talking about here. And if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So here's the thing. My life is not my own. Your life is not your own. You are not some random happening. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are not defined by your accomplishments and your titles and your money and everything you've got. And you're also not defined by your failures. You are defined by your relationship, your devotion to God. God loves you just as you are and all he wants is us. All he wants is our heart. And God designed every single one of you and everyone on this planet, whether we believe in Jesus or not, with a purpose and plan. With his purpose and his plan for our lives. And every single moment we have to live that out is a gift. There are some people right now who are hanging on to today because tomorrow might not come for them. Don't take today for granted. Everybody take a deep breath. Yeah. That's a gift from God, (laughs) that we get to take another breath, that we get to hang out here, that we get to have another day. And our days are numbered. Every time I hang on to my life, every time I try to save myself, that puts me in a position of trying to be my own God, of leaving God out of that equation. And I can't save myself from my mess-ups my bad habits, my, my hang-ups, my sinful nature, and neither can you. So God wants us to surrender our will, surrender our lives so that he can take over and, and drive it. God wants us to choose to follow. He's not going to force us. God is never going to force us into a relationship. God wants us to choose that relationship rather than lead a sinful, sin-filled 
life and, and that self-satisfaction that, oh, we're chasing this and we're chasing that and, oh, this is really good and it might be out of God's will. It might feel really good for a little while. And, and I could actually talk about some things about that. It's never good when we're outside of what God wants for us. When we violate the plan that God has for our lives and, and the way that we're called to um, take a high road. So stop trying to control your own destiny because it might feel good and it might work for a little while or a couple of years, but ultimately it's not going to work because God wants to be in control and wants to be the Lord of our lives and made us that way with this God-shaped hole that only God can fill. There's, there's a couple words in this sentence that also... Uh, stood out to me. They're underlined for whoever wants to save their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel. And down below the other translation, for my sake and for the sake of the good news. So a moment ago, I just said our lives aren't our own. They're God, but we keep chasing and we have all this dissatisfaction and this lack of peace. And God wants us to have our life for him and for the gospel, for the sake of the good news, to share what Jesus has done for us, to be a living testimony. Doesn't have to be with words necessarily, we can just be through our actions, to be countercultural to what the world tells us to be, to have kindness and compassion, even when it's hard, to not speak in ways that we. God wouldn't want us to, to be um, truthful and honorable. Whatever is right, whatever is true, true, whatever is worthy, think of those things. That's in Philippians. Our lives are here to glorify him, not glorify ourselves, not glorify our children. I'm guilty of that, but glorify God. So as we continue on, verses 36 and 37, they take us down this same road. Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Wow. Okay, so what is he saying to us here? Well, a personal example in our lives is... Um, for us, for Alan and for me, it would have been to continue in the jobs that we started out in earlier in our lives. The pay was lucrative. The trips were luxurious. The advancement was enticing. And I vividly remember once I left the job that I loved and in obedience, went the role, the road, I can't even say it, it was so hard, to be a pastor, I could remember the day that God had us put a for sale sign in front of our 4,500 square foot home in Seaford, Delaware, one that we had custom built. We could no longer afford it, and here's why. Because I'm in seminary, you know, my pay is a bit different from being a nurse, and um, I'm in seminary, and then God calls Alan three years later from his nice big 
job to ministry. So we couldn't afford our lifestyle anymore. And we put that for sale sign up because we were going to be moving into a, an, a parsonage that was very old, needed desperate renovation, and was on a drug-infested street. And we just didn't, I didn't want to go. And so I can remember, well, I was really ticked off at Alan. I was probably more ticked off at God. But it was a rough months for, for us. And um, I can remember going and standing on the sidewalk and looking at this, this house that we were going to have to move into and just arguing with God in my head. And God gave me a gift. God put this vision in my head where I stood there, and it's like I was watching a movie. I looked through the window as I was on the sidewalk into the dining room, and I could see our family around the table. We had four kids, have four kids, but the girls were, Aaron, Megan, Devin were still in elementary school, and Turner was in a high chair. And I could see this, and I was at the table, and Alan was at the table, and we were laughing and just having a good old time. And I'm like, wow, okay, I see. And what I found myself doing right there on the sidewalk on Pine Street was release our home to God. And, you know, when we release something that holds us, I mean, it becomes like a ball and chain. When we release something like that, there is this feeling of, whew, I mean, you get freed up. There's a little bit of peace. There's a lot of peace. It's not necessarily that I was doing the happy dance, like, oh, yeah, Alan, I love you again, and all this kind of stuff, but I'm so happy. But there was this, yeah, okay, God, I see. I see what you want for our lives. Now, in our case, as soon as I released the home, it wasn't too much later, maybe a week or so, the powers that be said, you know what, we, we really don't want you to have to leave your home, so we're going to give you a housing allowance. So what God wanted from my heart was just to, to give up something that probably had too much importance to me. You know, it just reminds me of this scripture, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul or someone gain the world yet forfeit their soul? That, that house just had too much weight in my life. And I was willing to, like, say, Alan, don't do this so that I could keep my house. And that would have been selling his soul and mine too. So um, ultimately, when we were called to start this church and team up and co-pastor, which was a Holy Spirit thing, totally. But um, I couldn't wait to get that for sale sign in that yard and couldn't wait to sell the house. So God really was preparing us for something that God saw that we couldn't see at the time. Jesus tells us that a world of pleasure centered on possessions, position, or power is ultimately worthless. Whatever we have here on earth is temporary. It can't be exchanged for our souls. When we're a Christ follower, it's really important to not compromise those things that we know, that we know, that we know. 
And it's really hard sometimes when there's attacks from various people or family or in the workplace, but we can do it because God's with us. And it's not our power, but it's the Holy Spirit power in and through us. If our focus is getting what we want, we may have temporary pleasure, but we're still going to feel hollow and empty. So now we get to verse 38, and I just thought about just stopping and not even preaching on verse 38, because I'm continuing to feel uncomfortable with what he says, but got to give it all. If anyone is ashamed of me, Jesus says, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Ugh. I think that's tough. I mean, is he really telling us that if we deny him, he's going to deny us? Well, yeah. Okay, so that stepped on my toes. It says the Son of Man will be ashamed. Can, that just breaks my heart. The, the thought of me causing Jesus to be ashamed of me. I mean, think about how we feel when we're ashamed. That is, there's nothing good about that. I don't, I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of Connection Church. We need to stay on point with our mission, connecting people with... Jesus and the new life he offers, absolutely. Jesus constantly turns things upside down. It's like, say what? You know, the world thinks that if you're a good person, you do good, this and that, that's your ticket. It's not. It's not. It's nothing about that. It's nothing about good works. It's all about relationship with him and following Jesus, being a disciple, a follower, and surrendering. That's what he cares about. And our response to the life that God gives us are those things. I mean, we can't just stay stationary. It's, it's important to, to serve as he served. Um, we can reject Jesus now and be rejected by him on judgment day, that even feels uncomfortable for me to say. Or we can accept him now and have eternity with Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Don't we all want to be together in heaven? Man, how awesome it's going to be. Rejecting Jesus may help us escape shame, for the time being, but ultimately it does not work in our favor. It never works in our favor. So I want to come back to the very beginning of the scripture. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, we'll save it. I think this is a really tough scripture. Because, I mean, the words are here, but to really take it in and live it, to be his disciple, 
deny self, pick up the cross. That's pretty hard to do. But it's really the only way. It's the only way to have a life that's really full and joyful. You know, this, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not trying to be, you know, because I'm talking to myself too. But do you have the master's card in your back pocket? Do you have the master's card in your heart? Because there are, you know, it's the master's card, things money can't buy. And that's joy. You know, we can be joyful even when everything is awful. We can be peaceful when there's chaos all around us. That's the gift of the relationship with God. Experiencing grace and mercy, it is incredible. And so, what card is in your pocket? What card is in your pocket? Is it the master's card? There are some things that money can't buy. As we conclude our time today, we're going to sing a, a song that wraps all this up. And the words that we'll be singing, I give you my life. I give you my heart, Jesus, and you are my God, and you are enough, Jesus. Make that your anthem. We're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time, most of the time, but God just wants us to just keep on and keep on and trusting and loving. As we conclude, as we sing this song together, the steps are open for prayer. Don't be embarrassed if you, have to, if you want to come up and pray. Don't say, oh my gosh, people are going to think my life is a mess if I go up on, or if you go back and Mike and Maria are praying with you, oh no, people are going to think something's wrong if I go back and have prayer. Absolutely. Would you think that? No. Okay. Would you think that if you saw your part, you know, somebody else around you get up and go get prayer? No. No, let's celebrate prayer. Let's get on our knees in joy. Let's give God the honor and the glory and praise because the master's card is the only card that we should have because we can't leave home without it. We can't leave home without him. And that relationship is absolutely priceless. That's the good news of the scripture. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this challenging scripture this morning. It just sounds like when we first look at this that, that you're saying one thing. I mean, losing life and getting life and getting life and losing life and denial and taking up the cross and being ashamed. Wow, it's a lot packed into four verses. But we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And that you call us. And your plan is perfect in our lives. Help us surrender. Help us be a living testimony, a sacrifice to you. That in what we do and what we say would be honoring to you in our homes, in our community, in our workplaces, with our friends, that 
we could be you with skin on, your Holy Spirit through us. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And that death was not final. And that the victory is yours. And because we are your kids, it is ours too when we are in you. We thank you for today and tomorrow if we get that gift from you and all the days ahead. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church here and online said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.